You're listening to the IBS IViews podcast. This is Gaia Lamperti, and today we're joined by Timo Lehes, co-founder of Swoll. Hi, Timo. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for getting us involved in, in your great podcast. Thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. Lovely, Timo. Would you like to tell us a bit more about Swarm, what the company does, what are the different platforms, and maybe in general terms, the value proposition? Yeah, sure. So uh, we're really about um, basically taking a lot of the financial illiquid assets, bringing them on chain. And uh, we started this uh, as a non nonprofit open source project um, back in 2017, really, originally, and built like a um, security token issuance infrastructure to make it super easy for people to create security tokens And then obviously, you know, once you have done that, then the next step would be to kind of figure out like, so what do we do with all these tokens now that they are here? And, you know, how do we trade them? Or what do we want to do with them? And this is like, you know, five years ago. So a lot of things have happened since. And since 2019, we're based in Germany. So we are a regulated company um, under Buffin, the German regulator. What we're doing now is really focusing not so much on the issuance side, because we think that's kind of a, it's a necessary, but kind of a fringe use case. The reason why people um, want to tokenize in the first place is a lot of like, has to do with either providing liquidity for illiquid assets, or just to kind of create like a broader scope of, let's say, investors or owners of financial assets to make it more fluid to kind of move assets between different owners, investors, either through DEXs or just like directly between counterparties. So we're thinking about it as because we're dealing with uh, both the combination of crypto and securities, we need to be regulated. And we also think uh, recent events in the market also kind of indicates that regulation is becoming um, like a more and more important aspect of the crypto industry in general. And certainly has always been an important part of the digital security space because those are obviously regulated products. So our vision right now is really to build market infrastructure that allows kind of everything to be brought on chain and then also everything to be traded on chain, be used as collateral on chain. Kind of once you digitize all these assets, then you can start doing really cool things with them. So, so that's kind of the space that we're in. Amazing. Sounds great. And yeah, great to hear that you are regulated as well. I think it's really a plus in the times we are. So you briefly mentioned it already, but tokenization is becoming very big, both native tokens and more traditional financial assets being tokenized. What are some of the benefits? You mentioned a few like liquidity, but why should people dip their toes into this space and why more and more experts in the field are getting into tokenization of assets? We're we're seeing a couple of um, demands if you will, from the market. And they come from like different, almost like very different angles. Um, one, one category is like large asset owners that have been like in traditional financial services markets for a long time, like, you know, whether it's real estate funds or private equity funds or other kinds of less liquid assets. Um, they're really trying to figure out like how to use this like digital infrastructure, basically being, you know, blockchain and that could be Ethereum or Polygon or Avalanche, whatever to create like new opportunities for themselves. And it, and so, and, and the ideas there are very much along the lines of like, okay, let's see if we can distribute this asset to a broader um, ownership base or an investor base. And let's see if we can create like much, much better liquidity situations for our current asset owners. And so let's call them like the heavy asset owners. They are very much trying to use this new digital infrastructure to figure out ways of creating additional benefits to their investors. So, and, and obviously for themselves as well, because they would then become more attractive as kind of asset developers and so forth, as well as managers. So 
So that's one category that we're seeing. And, and the other piece is also like coming more from the crypto side. We're seeing a lot of like benefit by creating products that have some kind of crypto connection. So one thing that we've uh, recently launched is um, tokenized uh, staking nodes that are basically liquid staking nodes. So a lot of the protocols, and these are all different, like ETH is different from Solana, it's different from Avalanche, it's different from Polkadot. They all have their own kind of proof of stake models where some of the lockups and some of the kind of constraints, if you will, apply for one layer one chain, but not for the other layer one chain. And they're all kind of a little bit different. So one thing that we've kind of seen a need for there is to create a tokenized version of any kind of layer one proof of stake protocol so that we have a validator nodes for their basically operating proof of stake nodes um, as part of validating the, the layer one network. And then tokenizing that and putting all of that on a single uh, blockchain, in this case, Polygon, which makes it really easy. Like Because if you think about it, if you're going to do staking on Ethereum, Avalanche and Polkadot, for example, and Solana, you need to have a lot of like technical knowledge and, you know, set up the infrastructure and sign up with a validator provider or somebody that runs the nodes if you don't want to run them by yourself. And then you obviously need to have independent wallets for each of those blockchains as well. Uh, so you need to set up your Solana wallet, your ETH wallet, which probably, probably everybody has, but then your know, AVAX setup and all, the, all these different things in order to even be able to put a single kind of um, dollar or, or stake, stake value into those networks. So what we created was basically a layer saying, okay, if you bring your USDC onto Polygon, then you can basically stake on any of these networks. So you can, you know, so it's super simple to reallocate between different L1s and you're kind of using the same blockchain, the same wallet for all of that stuff. And it can be self-custodied or you can choose somebody to kind of custody that for you. So we think that like the tokenization of assets is doesn't always have to relate to uh, physical assets. In this case, with the staking nodes, it's actually relating to a crypto asset, but it's a crypto asset with a particular kind of physical compute infrastructure that's been set up to operate the proof of stake node. And that's why that also actually becomes like a partially a physical asset. So yeah, I mean, there's there's many different use cases for it, but they all kind of come down to, from our point of view, that there, there needs to be like a, a credible counterparty that does provides these services so that like all the kind of the things that you do around uh, rehypothecation or you know maybe borrowing and borrowing against assets or using any kind of asset as collateral that that's well understood and there's like a kind of a clear recourse if if somebody you know does something that isn't like you know within the rules of the re regulatory environment so that's like one piece that's important but the other thing is really just to kind of see what we can develop in terms of bringing assets on chain and then kind of build it from there and, and there's a lot of things we can do. And we're just kind of creating the building blocks right now to make this happen. Absolutely. That's so interesting. It really sounds like Swarm is working on making the creation and the management of digital assets beyond easier, more accessible for even people who have not been in this space before. Would you say that this is the direction that the entire industry is taking? Do you, do you see this reflecting in other trends in this in this space? You know, I think there's almost like, uh, you know, the there's almost like a bifurcation of the market where like there are projects that are going out to the kind of the, the far end extreme of decentralization and uh, anonymity or pseudonymity. So I think that there's like one trend that's very clearly moving in that direction, which is really kind of um, 
like a very purist view of like decentralization and how it should work work in in some kind of like ideal scenario. And then there's the kind of the move towards regulated platforms and more like you know integration with TradFi and integration with banks and things like that. And and you know there's a lot of people that don't really see that that's like proper decentralized applications or whatever because they have these inevitably these centralized elements. We're obviously on the kind of the you know even if we have de- decentralized infrastructure built on Ethereum and Polygon, we do have um, centralized components as well. And I think with recent market events, I, th- I think like the understanding of the value of having regulation kind of coexist with unregulated uh, platforms or DeFi networks. Is and protocols, I think is becoming pretty clear. So that in some cases, it's actually really beneficial to have something that's completely decentralized and you don't necessarily want to have any kind of centralized element in it if it can be avoided. And in some cases, like with what we're doing, with kind of bridging crypto and traditional finance, uh, financial services and products, including securities, well, then it's obvious that there's benefit to having more regulation. And then also like with some of the centralized platforms that were unregulated recently, like even disregarding the decentralized versus centralized. So if you just look at the centralized platforms, there's been enough problems with unregulated centralized platforms because you don't know what's happening to your crypto assets that you're moving on to those platforms because of the various kind of treasury management and rehypothecation models that people are using to generate yield which is fine, it's part of their business model, but if it's not transparent exactly how it's done and what, what is happening, then that's a problem, right? So that's where I think DeFi has a huge benefit. And I, I think we saw that as well recently in Q2 that, you know, um, actually the DeFi projects kind of came out on top and, and a lot of the centralized platforms were the ones that ended up with problems. Definitely. I mean, this is so true and so timely. Um, are there any of these DeFi projects that you would like to maybe highlight or some of the initiatives within the space that you think are a good example for the way forward? Yeah, you know, and this is this is like one of the examples of where the market is, is heavily bifurcated. So what MakerDAO is doing right now with the Real World Assets program, and they are onboarding Real World Assets as, a, as collateral for DAI issuance. That's being seen, obviously, that's a conversation we've been having with them for more than a year and kind of working towards like what kind of assets that would make sense and why, et cetera. Where's the liquidity on the other side if you need to liquidate the collateral, et cetera. So that's something we've been working tightly with Maker on. And then there's like the, the counter argument, which is like, oh, no, we, you know, as soon as we introduce these real world assets, then there's going to be some kind of, you know, confiscation risk that it doesn't exist in the, in the DeFi world. And, and then it's like, so it's almost like you have to you have to almost like weigh the hacking risk versus confiscation risk by a centralized asset and then kind of figure out where you want to play. But I mean, I think what's cool about MakerDAO is that they're actually playing both fields. So they're obviously, you know, the majority, the vast majority still of DAI issuance is collateralized by crypto. So including actually USDC, which is kind of funny. But I mean, there's, you know, so there's a lot of ETH and wrapped Bitcoin, et cetera. Um, Whereas now they're introducing these real world assets. And I think it's a great way to kind of complement, let's say, a more purist um, stablecoin issuer such as Circle and USDC, which is more of like, okay, here's the dollar. And you can, you know, you can look at our audited reports that the dollar is there and we're issuing USDC against that dollar. That's fine, I think, for a stablecoin company to kind of have that clean model. But what it doesn't provide is for asset owners to get liquidity against their assets that they already own, such that, you know, if you bring that asset on chain and then we're able to issue DAI against it, 
that's a great way of creating, you know, just kind of activating that passive asset or financial asset, right? And actually getting it, getting the ability to use it for really anything. Because once you are on stablecoin side, then you can kind of start allocating towards whatever you want, right? So I think that's really interesting what Maker is doing. It's it's early days. We will be working on just kind of introducing more and more collateral types uh, through their you know their governance process that they're they're using for that. So I think that's super interesting. It has a, a long way to go still, but I mean this is like how this market also grows beyond just kind of being a like let's say like an autonomous crypto bubble, and then kind of now it becomes more integrated with other assets, and you know and therefore it can grow. Um, in different dimensions than it could otherwise. Thanks for this outlook. And um, my last question would be, when it comes to Swarm internally, what are the new priorities, especially in light of recent events in the markets? And as we mentioned, different types of digital assets, maybe there's some in particular that you guys are focusing on right now, or would you like to maybe expand on any of those that will be at the top of your priority list in the next few months? Yes, so... Top priority is really to kind of demonstrate what you can do with DeFi-based infrastructure. So really just showing that like you are in control. Like as a user, you're in control of your assets. You're, you're doing your self-custodying your assets. You can go in and swap and, and do it, make a transaction. It's an atomic transaction. There's this, like if it fails, it fails on both ends. And if it succeeds, you know what you're getting on the other side. So it's like just having that like very clear kind of um, sovereign feel that, you know, I own this asset and if I want to swap it, I swap it for something else and I can see exactly what happened on chain. So that's like just getting that to more and more people, regardless of what kind of asset it is, I think is, is has a lot of value in, in itself. And then, of course, you know, we're building products that are becoming, you know, more and more complicated in the sense that like, okay, you know, tokenized staking nodes, we think there's a big demand for that because you want, if you want to have L1 exposure and, um, you don't want to pay somebody else to kind of manage that, you know, holding of ETH or Solana or AVAX for you. It's much better to get yield than to pay a fee. Well, then you go into staking instead of just holding the underlying asset. And so that's that's an interesting product that we're working on. And that is now kind of becoming, um, you know, it's becoming like the obvious way to kind of deploy capital into some of these chains, because why wouldn't you want to have like some percentage yield on top and and there we're working with the biggest uh, validator operators right so so i think that's a, from a trust point of view we're like you know super clear about what's happening we're in control of we have the keys we control the keys of what's going on on the validator nodes and so forth so we think that's a robust way of doing it and we're regulated which also means that a lot of institutional capital can kind of feel comfortable about that our procedures in terms of reporting to whether it's the you know buffing the regulator or just reporting to them as investors those things um, are super important so given the last quarter I, I think like working on the trust aspects whether it's the DeFi aspect or the regulated aspect those are our kind of main focus areas um, and actually even like a detail like how do I do redeem assets from a staking node like I want I want to be able to take my assets out how do I do that like what is the process for that and like how do I know that it's going to work and like and if something happens in the market I need to be able to control that by myself and so things like that are really important right now because there you know it was a pretty pretty ugly quarter last quarter and and there was a lot of stuff that was quite problematic I would say for the crypto industry to solve and so yeah so those are the things that we focus on mostly just kind of rebuilding trust around 
uh, crypto in general and digital securities. Brilliant. Sounds great. Yes, I think that reverse side of it, it's also very important and something that often gets overlooked or not, not spoken about that clearly. So thank you so much, Timo, for your insights. This was a great introduction to tokenization. And it was a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kaya.